Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, my little lovebirds. Today we got a great topic for you. Today we're talking love. You know, I'm your guide on the side, your relationship coach here, Dr. Matt Townsend, and we're trying to give you the tools to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. So here's the question for you. Is there an expiration date on love? Is there an age in your life that when you finally reach this age, you ought to just walk away and no longer be looking for love? You know, do you get worse and less effective and, uh, you know, when the, when the older you get? Would it be better that you just walk away and just say, I'm done. I'm done loving people. I'm just going to now sit there and let them all love me. We want to blow up a myth. I want to get into today the idea that there is not an expiration date on love. You've got to keep it alive. Now, a lot of us are afraid and a lot of us have been burnt. I get it. And yet, honestly, what other choice do you have? You're still a human. You still have needs. You still want to be connected to somebody. And on the show today, we're going to get into it. We're going to bring you an example of somebody that's been divorced, remarried, greatest thing in her life. No, obviously, there'll be other examples out there where it wasn't so great. We're also going to bring on an author who's written a book all about that, and he's going to teach us the skills, maybe some of the tools, things to watch out for that might help you, you know, be able to find love, create love in your life. We're also going to be going to Facebook. On my Facebook page, I put the question out there, and I've already received a lot of feedback from people about that. For example, one person said, Anna, we won't give last names because I don't have permission. She said, my great-grandma married five times. The last time was in her 80s. She outlived them all and never stopped looking for love, even in the nursing home. She was a spitfire in her nursing home. Oh, isn't that isn't cute? That cute? Well, except, well, unless they're all like, oh, there she goes again. She's hitting on the intern. Um, <laughs> Ra- uh, Rayleigh uh, said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's a biblical thing. Women, on the other hand, can probably manage find themselves. Ha ha, she says. On a serious note, I think companionship is a basic need of all humans. That companionship could come from different sources, of course, not just a spouse. Never give up looking, but don't give up on living either. Great advice. We don't always have to be looking for love, and I think we're going to find out from one of our guests that it just when you, the minute she quit looking, it actually just happened. Nadine on my Facebook page said, I work with seniors every day. I have one that's 93, still has her mind. Other than walking with a walker for balance, she really is doing a great job. She came into my office one day and asked me to sign her up on one of those dating sites at 93. 93-year-old woman looking for companionship. <laughs> That's cute. Um, And she wanted to find a nice gentleman because she had had plenty of years left. She then told uh, Nadine here that, you know, I'm going to be around till I'm 106. I love her. She is such a hoot. She's definitely keeping her laughing. So, you know what? I think you got to keep it alive. Keep the love alive. You know, there's a lot of things we're going to get into, too, that might help us uh, create more love. Rob, have you got one? Food. The fastest way to somebody's heart is through their stomach. Through their stomach, especially when the older you get. The stomach's probably faster than, like, trying to kiss them and Mm. some of that affection stuff. Oh, goodness. Maybe. There's nothing like uh, a significant other bringing you a plate filled with lunch. Yeah, sweet rolls. French fries. Mm. I think you're hungry. You're hungry, aren't you, Robbie? 
that's you know dinner's coming up. Well, that's you'll be easy. You'll, all we got to do is make you a dinner, and we can get you married. Hey, this is I hate press releases. It's companies just trying to get free advertising. I couldn't pass on this. But you're going to use this one. Danny's built yeah. built a wedding chapel in its store in Las Vegas. Why? What? For those who want to get married. <laughs> With a uh, Grand Slam breakfast. Yeah, you can have a Grand Slam breakfast and you can get married. It's an in-house wedding chapel combining oh. the authenticity of America's diner with the eccentricity of Las Vegas. you got to love PR it people It just here. warms your heart. Oh, there it goes. Uh, so one way you can create a lasting relationship is Denny's. And interesting, the neat thing about being a senior. So if let's say you're 70 years old and you're looking for love, you get to Denny's and you can get, uh, you get the senior discount. That's true. So not only is it inexpensive, but apparently if you go to the one in Vegas, you can get married right after you finish your grandson. That'd be cool. They put the wedding on the 55-plus menu. It's $10 (laughs) cheaper. But, you know, when you think about it, it's also like it takes care of the luncheon and it also takes care of the The dinner. The whole wedding dinner. you're good. The reception. Plus, you could wear a Denny's shirt. (laughs) So then your dress is taken care of. Okay, we're talking about love. Should it ever die? Should you just give up on finding a partner? You know, after you've been burnt enough in life or after you've lost somebody you care about, we're talking about it. That's up next on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody's got a story about a ride-sharing experience, but we're pretty sure we have your story topped this time. This is Innovation Now bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. After about two years, a tiny breakthrough satellite is retiring, but it's led the way to making orbital science more practical and affordable than ever before. It's called FastSat, and it earned that name in several ways. FastSat was built in record time, from off-the-shelf parts to prove how affordable and capable you could make a satellite. Construction was inspired by a schedule change in launch operations. Due to a cancellation, there was room on board an upcoming Defense Agency rocket mission to carry along to orbit a small, separate payload. But could NASA's Marshall Center and the DOD design and build a brand new 400-pound satellite in just 14 months? FastSat lifted off from Kodiak, Alaska in 2010 inside a special dispenser collar that was part of the booster rocket. This collar can hold and eject six mini-sats like FastSat, letting them hitchhike to orbit. FastSat held six experiments, including a tiny nanosat that was launched from FastSat to test solar sail designs. Marshall's FastSat concept inspires the CubeSats of today, showing how to explore bigger by going smaller. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. At BYU Radio, we want to create shows that connect with you. So if you're listening to one of our talk shows and hear something that resonates, call us. We want to hear your questions, opinions, and stories. Our toll-free number is 855-CHAT-BYU. That's 855-242-8298. We would love to hear from you. Again, our toll-free number is 855-CHAT-BYU. Call in and share. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're taking on a very big topic. We're taking on love 
but in a different way. Okay, is there a time when you ought to just put your love life to bed? When you ought to just give up on any hope of finding a person, you know, remarrying if you've lost your partner or if you've divorced? Is there a time that you're just too old for love? I personally don't believe there is. And today we're going to blow up that myth that uh, you probably don't want to be throwing it away because it is a very big part of our life. I think most of the time what ends up happening is we're more frustrated by the pursuit of having to find it or the fact that we were burnt so bad maybe by the last one um, that we, we maybe don't go looking for it. But I personally believe there's a huge benefit, a blessing, in fact, to being able to to keep the dream alive and still go find love. And so what we're going to bring on is our guest. Beverly Bear is our guest. And Beverly didn't know she was going to be famous all of a sudden. Now, Beverly is, uh, she was divorced and she's remarried um, the day after, I believe, Valentine's Day this year. She has four grown kids, but Bev uh, Beverly has gone and found love after already, you know, having grown up and is an adult. Her four grown kids have moved out of the house and life's great. Beverly, welcome to the program. Thank you. So first of all, and I don't want to be rude, but I just want to give context. Do you want to give us your age? How old are you, Beverly? I'm 50. 50. Now, 50 is not old. Thank you. You know what I mean? I mean, I tell the people around here old, like, is, is, I'm thinking 75. But uh, they sometimes think because they're all young punks around BYU radio. Um, but 50 years old. So you, you had been married how long in your first marriage? 28 years. 28 years. And then it's not going right it's, and, you, and you divorce. That's correct. And when you divorced, were you thinking, oh, I can hardly wait to get out and remarry? No. <laughs> what did that feel I was, like? I was thinking that I needed to become a different person. Yeah. I needed to do some self-healing, and I really wasn't looking to get married again. Isn't that—but, you know, that honestly is a fairly—mature sounds weird, but that's a fairly advanced thought when you divorce. A lot of times when you divorce, it's easy to frame your partner as the problem, you know? Uh, you know, there—I think with any relationship, there's problems on both sides. Yep. You can always share it, but when you, you kind of were out there saying, okay, I need to go rediscover myself, I need to find myself— and you really you weren't you weren't out in the free land very long, were you? No, I really wasn't. Um, although by the time my divorce was final, my marriage really had been over about three years, and um, I had some friends who were single, so we went to a few single adult things. Yeah. Uh, didn't really have a great time. I did do a little bit of dating, but just decided. I was pretty happy single and living a happy life, doing the things I enjoyed, and just decided to be happy. And it's interesting, I guess, when you decided to be happy, um, it, it changes who you are. I guess when you decide to be happy, find out who you are, you probably turned into a different person, maybe someone you hadn't been for a long time. It certainly was true, and, and something that I had been working on for several years. Uh, becoming who I wanted to be, who Heavenly Father wanted me to be. I love that. I mean, it really is a, 
it's a different it's a different kind of I think approach to to life. So you're sitting there, divorce, fifty years old. Your your oldest child is how old? Or your youngest child's how old now? My youngest child is almost nineteen. Nineteen. So they're almost really out of the house. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, you're trying some of these single things. It's not great. What happens? You're not even intending to go find a, a partner, are you? You're just living life? Yeah. Actually, it was a friend that set us up. Oh, wow. And um, we, my husband and I knew each other. We sang in the same choir, uh-huh. and um, we were friends. And our choir director set us up on a date. He called my husband one night and said, would you be interested in going on a double date? And and my husband, now he didn't know I was single at the time because I, you know, I didn't talk about it. I didn't yeah. wear a big badge. I'm yeah. single. Ask me out. Did he say, did he and, say, is she, a, is she an alto? No. Or a soprano? <laughs> he, he knew I was a soprano. He okay. right behind me. Yeah. You always want a soprano. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. Um, well, he's a baritone. Oh, is awesome. he? There you have it. Yeah, there you have it. So uh, it became a choir date. Um, it was it was interesting because I had, I really liked him. I knew him. I knew his wife. And he's a widower. Mm-hmm. And we had been friends for a long time. I really admired their family, the values that they had in their family. And, and um, had we weren't close friends, but I had... I had a lot of respect for him and and who he was. Was it? Did, so, you, did you feel like a fish out of water um, in this dating world? I mean, you were only fifty, so you you know, but you had been married twenty eight years. Is that what you said? Um, yes. But did you feel like a fish out of water on this date? Like like were you, was it weird or were you back in your game? Oh, the the date with my husband was very comfortable. Was it? Um, it actually, from the time we were set up until we could actually go on the date was about three weeks. Oh, wow. So we had some time to talk, and, uh, and by, the, by the time we actually got to the date, we were pretty comfortable with each other and um, had both had some spiritual experiences leading up to that that, that helped us feel exceptionally comfortable. Yeah, and understand, maybe, give it context for what was going on. Exactly. Uh, we're talking, by the way, with Beverly Bear. Um, she, just an average, typical person, uh, 50-year-old divorcee, 28 years married, and all of a sudden, she's divorced, she's trying to find herself, and boom, she goes out on a date, finds a great guy, and she's just telling us her story. One of the reasons I wanted to get into this subject Beverly, is because um, it's hard to move on. And, and I put this on Facebook, and we'll be discussing some of the Facebook responses, but I put on Facebook, you know, should, should is, is there a time where you just need to give up on love? Maybe get a hobby. Find something else to go do. It's overwhelming how many people say, no, you got to keep the dream alive. But there are also a few people you can tell that are so burnt out, they're so hurt, um, that they literally are like, look, I'm 30-something years old. I'm not going to touch that ever again. That was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I, I feel bad for them. Yeah. You know, I know some people in the singles program that are really bitter and have had maybe difficult divorces, I have a difficult time forgiving others, forgiving themselves, and that seems to really be a barrier to moving on. Yeah. I think you have to... You have to heal, let yourself heal, and 
have trust. Mm-hmm. And, and, and interestingly, if you don't have that, it's you're going to attract that, right? So if you don't trust people and if you don't have the peace from your life and your first experiences, you're going to attract different kinds of people to you than if you had the peace, which is why I was so impressed that when you did divorce, you wanted to really go find yourself. You wanted to go back to being healthy and strong. And I think that sets you up for a better opportunity. You become more attractive. Healthy and strong I, I attracts so. that. But I told, told Heavenly Father that if I married again, the kind of person that I hope to marry, and I asked him to help me become the kind of person that would be attractive to that kind of man. Wonderful. And, and then I went about working on the things I could do to improve myself. Yeah. And Which had is... decided if I never married, I was happy. Uh-huh. But that, that, to me, that's the perfect mentality to being able to attract someone better, because I'm not doing this to attract somebody. I'm not wearing clothes just to attract people. I already know I'm the bomb. I feel peace. <laughs> I feel confident about myself. I mean, I know I can improve, and I am. And my life's not going to be determined by who I marry. I, my life, I already know who I am. And that's such a strong position. And when you got there, I'm assuming it, you, it, it, it accompanied and brought peace to you. Uh, quite a bit. Um, I had a, a really neat experience last summer. Um, I had, you know, there's always, you always hope that you're doing the right thing. And, mm-hmm. and maybe a bit of doubt. And divorce is certainly not something that I went into lightly. Right. And um, particularly because I do have children. And I wanted them to feel confident in their relationships. And I, I had a, an experience um, out in the woods. I was with the youth on a, a pioneer trek, and I just was, had some time to myself and was contemplating that. And uh, out there in the woods, the Lord reassured me that my life was going in the right direction. Huh. So I, I had that assurance, and I just really felt peace with who I was and where I was going. And if that meant being single, I was at peace with that. You're good with that. And, and the, I'm and- and then I'm all of a sudden, you're happy that I'm not yeah. single. Well, I mean, again, again, that's the other side of it, huh? You, but you, it's good to feel the peace and still then get this other blessing of having your choir director, no, no less, set you up. You then go out on the date, and I, it sounds like it took. Oh yeah, that was the date was on Saturday, and we saw each other Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, wow. and Wednesday. Uh, we went to the temple, and I knew he was going to propose to me. Oh, wow. And I I just knew, and I prayed about it and felt a very strong confirmation, and he did propose to me that night. So Boom. it was, we both knew without a doubt that that was the right thing for us to do. And it doesn't happen that way for everyone. No. Well, and it, I probably no. wouldn't even recommend it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that went fast. Very fast. And yet, and you know, fast is also can be right too. I mean, slow is not always accurate, and fast is not always inaccurate. Um, right. You. So when when if someone came up to you and said, "Okay, Bev, seriously, should I even try this? I mean, is this even worth it?" You'd say what? I would say, be who you want to be, and the opportunities will come, and it's absolutely worth it. I am so incredibly happy. And and I know it's because I became who 
or I'm on the road to becoming who I need to be. Yeah. And not trying to change anybody else, not trying to get vindication. I'm just working at becoming who Heavenly Father wants me to be. And that really is our journey through this life. Yeah. And for some people, that may be a journey they take alone. But I'm very fortunate that my journey is with a great companion. Good work, Bev. We're talking again to Beverly Barrett. Beverly, thanks for joining us. I mean, I know that's just weird all of a sudden get called and say, hey, do you want to tell your story about how you divorced and remarried? But there are people out there that are hearing it. And uh, again, I want to thank Beverly, but I also want to make sure you're hearing it. I mean, it's hard. And she came from a divorce which is hard. It's never easy to do that. You feel like you kind of let everyone down. And even when it's right and it's good and it's the appropriate thing to do because it because of how the situation and the relationship is, it's still difficult. Or if you're coming, then the person Beverly married, he was coming from having lost his wife. These are hard scenarios with complex issues and lots of weird kind of guilt wound up in it. Except, I guess, in the end, here's the rule. Uh, love really can heal, and it, it's, it can heal a lot of amazing things. So again, thanks to Beverly. We're going to take a break. Don't give up on love ever. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Timothy Carroll, the author of a book about uh, how to keep love alive and don't ever give up on it. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. What do you want to know? Kim Powers Stilson has a whole list of things she wants to learn about. On her show, Talkworthy, she invites you to join her as she interviews expert guests, learning new things along the way. It doesn't matter if the subject is a serious thought provoker or just plain fun. If it's Talkworthy, Kim will cover it. Talkworthy airs Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The U.S. Postal Service is scrapping a plan to stop delivering mail on Saturdays, which would have saved over $2 billion a year. Congressional budget measures stopped the plan before it could even be implemented. President Obama unveiled his budget proposals today detailing a a $3.77 trillion spending plan for 2013. Included in the budget is funding for a NASA program which plans to capture an asteroid in the moon's orbit. Chances for the gun control bill to pass through the Senate got a boost today after two senators announced a revised background checks initiative. Debates on the package are still expected tomorrow with a long-shot Republican effort to block the measure. Authorities in Texas say the 20-year-old man accused of stabbing 14 people on the Lone Star University campus yesterday planned the rampage for some time, apparently even fantasizing about attacking others since elementary school. Cuban officials gave, gave FBI agents all the help they needed to apprehend a couple who kidnapped their own children after losing custody and fleeing by boat to Cuba. The children are now back with their grandparents in Florida. 
The Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York has just received a donation of Cubist-style works valued at over $1 billion. The Met's director says the collection is something museum directors only dream about. In world news, South Korean forces are stepping up surveillance of North Korea and warning a missile launch is likely imminent. The launch is expected to be a test and no more than a show of strength, which will increase tensions in the region. Regardless of disputes over Iran's nuclear programs, U.S. leaders are offering aid following a large earthquake yesterday that injured over 800 people and leveled towns and villages. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Today, we're talking about love and finding love again. Now, is there an age, is the question, at which, you know, you just need to give up on love? According to Bev, our earlier interview there, uh, apparently not. You can always find love. There's great benefits and, and even blessings to being able to find it again. And we thought, who better to help us with, uh, you know, with trying to explore love as we get a little older in our lives, than an author that's actually written a book about it. So we've invited our friend here, and Tim Carroll is going to be joining us right now. Tim is the author of the book, Don't Ever Give Up on Love, True Stories of Senior Romance, uh, all told by Timothy Carroll. And Tim's been a, a, a businessman. He loves great hobbies. He's not afraid to try anything, including learning to scuba dive at the age of 70 years old. And Tim is joining us to give us uh, some insight into finding love as we, uh, as we move on in life. Now, Tim, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Matt. Such, invite me. It's such an honor to have you, and it really is an interesting topic. When I when I placed on Facebook the question, you know, is there a time when you just should give up on trying to find love? I had a huge response on my Facebook page. Uh, Seventy or more people got on there, and the majority are saying, you know what, it's never too late. Don't ever give up on love. Is that what you're finding and talking about in your book? Exactly. That's- my stories are all about people who never expected to find love again, but found it. And it magically finds you if you don't find it. <laughs> but it's a matter of being out there. You, know, you have to be doing something and then doing something you enjoy. Yeah. And you'll meet people. Don't you think, like what I noticed on my Facebook page are the people that really don't want the love or say they don't want to do it anymore. There's almost something about it. They've either been burnt really bad, they're, they're hurt, sometimes they're afraid. Is that what you see? Yes, I do. I think uh, taking that first step is the hardest thing to do, especially when you've been bereaved and uh, you feel a strong loyalty to the former spouse and uh, you don't really want to move on. You want to preserve and enshrine those memories so often. Right. And it can take a time to get over that and to look after yourself a bit more, think of yourself and what you want to do with the rest of your life. You know, yeah, I think the bereavement's a really big deal, isn't it? I mean, if your partner died and you don't want to be um, just loyal to them or their memory by quickly moving on and finding someone, um, and then sometimes I guess that there's a difference between also, I guess, uh, if you're divorced and if you came through a divorce or if you've never been married. Well, divorce can burn you too. Yeah. Many people have found. And so that can be a little bit of a turnoff to finding love again. You don't necessarily want to uh, take that step and get uh, tied up with somebody that you can't live with. Right. But at the same time, unless you experiment a little bit, how are you ever to know? Yeah. It's just, you're just shooting in the dark, aren't you? 
<laughs> I think you usually, most people know when it's the right person, or when it seems to be the right person. And uh, after a few dates, they're fairly convinced that this is the person they want to be with. And uh, love just strikes you. It's like Cupid's arrow. You know, you think, oh, this is the person. <laughs> this is who I really want to be with. Yeah. But uh, it can take a lot of... Um, most people say to me, I've kissed a few frogs. Well, <laughs> yeah. I've kissed a few frogs or toads to get to that point. But I just say, well, keep marching on because uh, you'll enjoy the experience anyway. You'll make friends anyway. And uh, they may not all be people that you want to spend the rest of your life with, but there'll be people you can enjoy life with. Well, maybe that's it. Well, maybe that's the idea, huh, is um, maybe we reframe, too, what our goal is. I mean, maybe our goal is just to have a partner or somebody we can enjoy life with, somebody we can just share life with instead of having to be the person that does everything, that, you know, we have our children with, raises our children, provides for the living, takes care. I mean, maybe it's a different kind of partner you can have at that stage of your life. I think so. We all grow uh... Uh, broader-minded, and probably uh, we have uh, much much more experience behind us by the time we get to senior life. And uh, probably our needs are different then, too. We want companionship and somebody who can share our interests. And as, as well as the physical side of love, uh, that's an important cornerstone in any relationship that's uh, between uh, you know, consenting adults. So I think all these things come into a mixture. It's a jigsaw puzzle, really, trying to find all the bits that fit. Yeah. I think I, I think I told. I mean, it's already love's already complicated when you're just thinking of two fifteen-year-olds. You know what I mean? You add two seventy-year-olds, and then the complexity of their family, their dynamics, their grandchildren—it's a big deal. Well, one advantage is when you get to an older age range that you know yourself better. Yeah, and you know you know what to expect of yourself, and of course, uh, you, it's easier then to find a match, perhaps, mm-hmm. but not always. You know, it's uh, life is a rich tapestry, and we don't know exactly where it's leading us. And sometimes it's leading us in the opposite direction from the one we're heading in. Oh, yeah. Well, and you maybe are just more set in your ways, too. Well, that's right. Uh, a lot of people are. They don't want to give up those uh, crutches, I suppose, that they've collected over the years, their home, their garden, their pets, mm-hmm. and their family. But sometimes you have to shed a few things to move on freely. And uh, that's sometimes a tough challenge, too. Well, I, I totally agree. And it, it looks like, Tim, you you kind of came about this in an interesting way where, you know, you may not be the typical person that would go out and write a book. You weren't necessarily an academic about it, per se. You you just kind of experienced. What led you to write the book, Don't Ever Give Up on Love? Well, it happened to me. And uh, my new and adorable wife said, uh, you should write a book. <laughs> And I said, well, I didn't know about that. I said, I wouldn't know what to write about. And one day she walked into my room I was in, and she said, uh, I've got it. You know, I've got the title. You should write about something that you've experienced, like us. You know, we've uh, been through the mill. We've discovered what a joy it is to find something new in your life. Uh, write about that. And she said, I've got the title, too. And it is the very title that you just described, hmm. Don't Ever Give Up on Love. I thought, what on earth? What would I be doing writing about a subject like that? A love book. You know, once you get into it, once you meet people who've had the same experience as you or something similar, then it's a joy, really, to share that experience with them and write it down. Yeah. And basically, that's what I've been doing. You know, you sit around with a, a couple, have a bottle of wine or whatever, 
And uh, it's, uh, it's quite difficult, uh, really, to get the story straight because people pour out so much. Mm-hmm. I'm writing away there, scribbling notes, and then I've got to put it together afterwards. But I found the feedback was very nice. But once I'd written stories for people and said, well, this is the draft, what do you think of it? And it was amazing how little had changed in the draft when it came back. They'd say, oh, well, this was a different date, but, oh, boy, you know, they'd say to each other, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten what you told Tim. I'd forgotten all about that. Uh Isn't that (laughs) funny? And there's all these stories that are hidden away. Yes. Well, that's what's neat about it, too, because um, the stories, it's got to be pretty interesting for some of these people that never thought they'd remarry or never thought that they'd find someone else and then the surprise of their story. Well, they go through uh, you know, a series of uh, relationships, of course, during life, not necessarily anything permanent. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, one of the subjects in my book is a, a chap who got married at 85. Wow. And I mean, he'd been uh, living with this lady, a delightful lady, about 12 years younger than him, for about eight years. And uh, she said to um, my wife, actually, she said, I... I'd really like to give him a present, but, you know, I'm allergic to dogs, and I don't really want to give him a dog, but I know he loves your little dog. And uh, so my wife, Yvonne, said, well, she said, uh, let me take you out to a place where they breed them. Maybe you'll find one that you like. And she said, you know, these particular dogs, they're Maltese. They're not yeah. allergenic dogs. Uh, you can actually have them in the house, even if you're allergic to dog dander and that sort of thing, because they don't shed. So they went off and they got this little dog and uh, Yvonne kept it for about a week before his birthday and finally it was presented to him. And he says, oh, she says, what on earth are you getting, giving this to me for? He says, my age, I'll tread on it and I kill it. <laughs> and he said, uh, it's crazy. He said, we might live long enough, the dog will outlive us. <laughs> and um, after two more weeks, He'd fallen in love with it. Yeah. And the dog yeah. had fallen in love with him. Oh, I love that. Sitting up in bed one morning with his, with his wife, uh, well, not his wife, but with his girlfriend. Yeah. And her name is Lou. And the dog was between them. And he looked over at her and a little bit tongue-in-cheek. He said, you know, we're a family now. Perhaps we should get married. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I mean, really, there's there's something special about this, this uh, 85-year-old man you know, he has his own view of what's possible in life. Yeah. And then this young lady, 12 years younger or whatever, is saying, you can have a dog. A dog is a great possibility. It's it's just interesting how love can open us up to so many more experiences. Oh, exactly. And the dynamics change, too, when you've got a, a little dog in the house. Yeah. And uh, they both love this dog to bits now. I mean, they're, they're very dynamic people, too. Yeah. They're, they're out dancing all over the place. And he's 19. Oh, this happened about five years ago. But um, wow. they're still going strong, and uh, they're enjoying life to the full. It's wonderful. I love it. And they're taking advantage of love, you know, long into, the, long into their life. Let's yeah. do this, Tim. I want to take a break um, and then have you come back. When we come back, I really want to get into some of the reasons why seniors don't seek out romance and relationships like they used to and see if we can't uncover some of those you know, problems. And then I want to get to some solutions where, where seniors could be going to, to find dates. You know, not, everyone, not every place is the safest place to get a date. So we'll be back talking to Tim Carroll, the author of Don't Ever Give Up on Love, True Stories of Senior Romance. And we will be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
one fearless foul has flown more missions than even some astronauts. Meet Camilla, the rubber chicken, NASA's ambassador to school kids. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. In a world of precision high-tech equipment like the space program, you can order up titanium bolts, advanced rocket fuel, or super-efficient solar panels. But there is no procurement system for obtaining a rubber chicken. And yet this toy that started out as an office gag at a NASA project has become the agency's unofficial ambassador to school children and civilian space events the world over. Nicknamed Camilla, the rubber chicken began as an unofficial mascot for the Solar Dynamics Observatory team, where she was often photographed next to equipment being used for solar science. Now she's flown in F-18 jets. She's floated with a balloon to the edge of space. She's in line to ride a Soyuz rocket to the space station. And a funny thing happened. As Camilla's photo kept popping up in various NASA aircraft and experiments, she gained popularity with the public, particularly kids. Camilla is the biggest rubber chicken on Facebook and Twitter. Astronauts and scientists visiting schools bring Camilla along to break the ice and make talking to real space experts less intimidating. Everywhere she goes, Camilla opens a conversation about science. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Parenting has never been an easy task. And in today's world, it can be harder than ever. That's why Richard and Linda Iyer are dedicating their lives to educating parents and strengthening families around the world. Find out what Richard and Linda can do for your family. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on their show, Iyer's on the Road, here on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Talk about good. And welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are uncovering the secrets of love. So imagine that you've been widowed. Imagine that uh, you're divorced or you've never married. You've never found this partner that you want to be with forever. At what age do you give up on that dream? At what age, really, do you just quit battling the battle? Well, on the show today, we're talking with an expert, somebody that found love uh, later in life, and he wrote a book. His name is Tim Carroll. He wrote a book called Don't Ever Give Up on Love, True Stories of Senior Romance. You can, by the way, find information about the book by just going to his website, don'tevergiveup.com. Is that right, Tim? Or you can find it on Amazon, Amazon Amazon.com. It's on Kindle as well. It's everywhere. The Kindle book, yes. It's uh, well known. If you look me up under my title, Timothy Carroll, it'll show up all the the series of books that are available in Kindle form. Love it. And, of course, it's in paperback and hardback as well. And your advice, Tim, is basically you don't have to give up. You can always have love and benefit from love. Oh, indeed. I mean, they say... A trouble shared is halved, and a joy shared is doubled. I think it's very true of relationships, uh, whatever they are, really. But uh, marriage, of course, and uh, a romantic relationship enhances all those features. And I think it's a great thing to be able to share life with someone. I do, too. It's a wonderful thing we are given, a great gift of life. And uh, every time I wake up, I think, oh, great, another beautiful day. That's right. It's, it's, and it's a great medication. I mean, love is... It's it's intoxicating at times. It's also, you know, it kind of, it just feels like it's a good buffer, a good bumper for us to help us get through life. Why do you think so many seniors, um, and it's not always just seniors, it's kind of, 
People struggle with relationships, I think, generally. It's, they're, they're not always easy. If you think about it, most of our relationships have failed in life, uh, or especially our intimate ones. They, you know, we don't seem to keep them all around forever. Um, so what do you think it is about seniors that would make them not want to seek out romance as they not age? Not well, yeah. I think probably bad health, a burden to other people, these sort of things make you shrink and and uh, not want to involve yourself with other people. You don't want to be a burden to anybody. Right. And you may feel, um, I suppose, uh, debilitated by some some illness or some affliction. Mm-hmm. And this may make you feel less attractive. But, you know, I was sitting on a plane once next to um, a guy who was a paraplegic. And uh, his minder was sitting on the other side. He was in the middle. And we didn't really start talking until I had to go step over him to get to the bathroom. And when I came back, he said, oh, you should have a bag down your leg like me. Mm. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> I hope I can have reason to. Let's not go there. He said, what happened? And he said, well, I was uh, a trucker. I was trucking logs in New Zealand. And uh, unfortunately, the whole caboose went off the road, and mm. uh, I was very badly injured. And I couldn't drive again. I couldn't do anything. Oh, wow. And he said, but uh, extraordinary things then happened to me. He said, do you know why I'm on this plane? I said, no. He said, I'm going to take part in a shot-putting, uh, paraplegic huh. shot-putting uh, competition. He's still doing that. In Hong Kong. I said, really? He said, yes, I developed incredible strength in my upper body, in my arms, through practice. And he said, uh, I got into the shot-putting team for New Zealand, and uh, the Sports Authority in New Zealand said, oh, we'll pay for you wherever you want to go. And he said, this would never have happened to me if I'd gone on in the trucking business I was in. Oh, that's brilliant. On top of that, he says, I fell in love with my physiotherapist, and (laughs) we got married. Boom, there you have it. (laughs) It never would have happened if he hadn't had his accident. Exactly. So there is, there are benefits, right? When you're, when you're, as you're getting older, it's you may actually be unearthing new traits, new skills, new abilities that will be enhancing your relationships. You just never know. I mean, there's a story in my book actually about a couple who uh, were very happily married to their partners, and uh, the children had grown up, gone to college, they paid their dues, as it were, and they were, they were looking forward to future quality years together to share the time that perhaps they'd missed a little bit by having families. But unfortunately, both these partners died within Mm. about three months of each other. And uh, the two that were left met through a grief group. And they went to a a church group, actually. But the leader of this group was trying to help about 10 people get over the bereavement. Wow. And... uh, they missed the first meeting, actually, and when they turned up there, they were asked to come early to register. Yeah. And they walked into this empty room, and uh, there was a circle of chairs and a box of tissues on the table. <laughs> and uh, the man said to me, he said, it was all like walking into the dentist looking at the tools you're about <laughs> yeah. to use on your mouth. <laughs> he said they felt very down, and they just said, hello, my name is Santo, my name is... Yeah. There was silence afterwards. They didn't say anything to each other. But at the end of the group sessions, there were about 10 sessions altogether, one of the members said, well, it's coming up to Christmas. Why don't we have a party at my place? And uh, at the party, the lady had said to a friend, uh, I I really didn't care yesterday. I drove my car right through the back of my garage. It could have killed me, and I wouldn't have cared. She said, I just feel... 
she was down. Nothing worth living for. Yeah. And the fellow who was uh, you know, quite attracted to her, but he was not really in the mood to start a romance. Yeah, it's a hard meeting place. He said, you can't talk like that. He said, you're, you're very important. You're a friend. He said, I don't want you to hear you say that ever again. Anyway, they started emailing each other. Oh, wow. So it got to a point where her, her drive to work crossed, crossed his um, exercise route. He was hmm. taking a mile, three-mile walk every morning. And um, I got into the habit of his meet, waiting on a corner for her with uh, a bag of donut holes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And uh, they got to talk to each other uh, quite a lot by email. But then uh, they started meeting. And uh, they, in fact, they were meeting somebody else in the group for a coffee, and he didn't show up. So um, that, that became a date. I love that. And uh, they fell madly in love, and they said it's quite incredible. They felt so guilty about it yeah. to begin with because they felt they were being disloyal to their former partners who they still cherished yeah. so much. It's interesting because you can love the one that you've lost, and you can still love a new one. It, that that seems to be kind of okay, except there's something about it in our heads, huh? It's just in your head, yeah. exactly. And this is what they found. They found they had plenty of love for their former spouses as well as each other. Mm-hmm. But on top of this, they felt like teenagers again. Oh. It was just a wonderful experience, and it still is. Well, and that creates the chemistry, these endorphins, the dopamine, all the chemicals you need to be able to move on and feel healthy again. Exactly. There's a little bit of self-deception, as we all know that. Yeah. Um, I think what happens is that you make good friends of the person when in later life you're making a friend as well as a lover right and that's the cornerstone of course to the success it's unlikely to fail because you're friends some of these younger relationships seem to start so physical and they jump so quickly into all the physical things that you know they're just riding the physical i love this idea that we become true friends we become there's a camaraderie there's a fellowship almost Yes, my, my stepdaughter actually was saying this to somebody the other day, a friend of hers. She said, it's, it's very interesting that Tim and Yvonne are really underneath it all, and their passion and so on. There is a, a deep friendship, and that's very important. I oh, think. yeah. Um, as you go through life, you know, when you're younger, you're still growing in many ways, and mm-hmm. perhaps growing in a different way from the person that you've selected to be with. It's, that's what complicates it, huh? It can do, yes, and that's why so many, I mean, about 40% of marriages don't continue for that reason. People find they've grown out of each other. What do you see happens, Tim? Another complicating factor seems like it would be grown children. So it's one thing that you can't get over the loss of your spouse or the divorce or whatever, but then your grown children, the last thing they want is another daddy or another mommy. Well, of course, one can't take the place of a of a departed parent. Right. And um, I was in that situation myself. I'd, I had no children by my first marriage, but when I met Yvonne, she had seven grandchildren and three married adult children. Wow. And there was a lot of resistance to my being on the scene. I don't think it was anything personal. Yeah, no. Not against me as a person, but it's the fact that I was there and getting in the way of their hopes and dreams. And... Uh, you know, there are all sorts of factors that come into this, what they're going to inherit, um, yeah. the disloyalty to the former, to the former spouse. The, me, the, the parties, the reunions, the holidays, how are we going to divide those up now? Mm. Yeah. Well, I found that, uh, as I say, I was resented to begin with, and there were background checks, all kinds of things. <laughs> were on, there? Which I didn't even know about. Yeah. 
They thought I was an ex-murderer or bigamous, <laughs> I think. What's anyway. the big deal? You saw, you serve a little prison time and no one can get over it. <laughs> well, they all seem to be very fond yeah. of me now, and me of them, of course. Oh, that's great, though. It all worked out quite well, but I mean, we're, we're now about uh, seven and a half years into our yeah. marriage. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, too, because normally in seven and a half years of marriage, you start hitting that, um, what they call the itch. itch. Is there an itch at age 70 plus? Is there, is there no, the same I kind of itch? I haven't experienced it at all. I mean, no, nobody's perfect, and you no. can't expect your spouse to fit in perfectly with you yeah. all the time. But as long as you have that common ground and there's the same, you're going in the same direction and want the same things, well, uh, you work together yeah. and uh, you work over these little humps. Maybe the itch at 70 years old is more just dry skin. <laughs> right than it is the typical itch. Tell me a little bit more too about. Um, I mean, it seems like so. I've been married twenty two years. I imagine if if I had been married forty years or whatever and lost my wife, the idea of dating seems kind of like a bridge too far. It just seems like too much. Uh, I mean, I'd be out of my game. The idea of having to actually go on a date or ask somebody out. It all seems so foreign. Do, yes, do you think right. seniors are dealing with that idea? Well, first of all, uh, things have changed since most seniors were dating when they were younger, yeah. out of college or or uh, go, just going to college, perhaps. You know, people met in a different way in those days. They were usually relying on introductions from other people, friends and family, and uh, their church groups and various other things. But now there's the Internet and there's the singles clubs and all kinds of other means of getting together. It's not just bars and right. restaurants and uh, events like that, but you meet through activities too. And so uh, there are lots of opportunities open to people. It's just a question of getting out there. You know, nobody's going to find you sitting at home. Right, no. Uh, especially if they didn't know you in the first place. You could always go to the, the bereavement meetings. Apparently those work. Yes, right. well, apparently it did for this particular it's, couple, but it's most unusual. The leader of that bereavement group said that had never happened before. Really? In fact, uh, at least two people in that group found somebody that they wanted to uh, spend the rest of their lives wow. with. Uh, one was uh, in the group but found somebody outside the group, introduced by one of the members. Yeah. And the other two were both in the group already, and uh, they just happened to fall in love. But... Um, you can't guarantee that's going no. to happen in a grieving group because people's mindset is totally different. Well, and there's, but there's, there's other places. There's community groups. But I guess part of what this means or demands is that you've you got to be willing to at least get yourself out there, to get out in public. To, it doesn't have to be get out in public to go find a date even, but just mm. you have to be out and about. You have to be. and It may not be the thing that comes naturally to you. you know, shy people don't want to have to do that. And that's why I suggest... The internet might be a good place to start mm-hmm. um, because you don't have to meet anybody. You can communicate with people quite easily through the sites without giving away anything personal or endangering yourself. Yeah. I mean, there are people out there on the internet, of course, who are out to scam you as well. So you have to be careful of those. And usually you can tell if a story doesn't hold up properly. Right. If they're asking for money, it's probably a scam. For personal information about yeah. your bank account and stuff like that, well, we don't need to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't have any more to do with it. But you can, I mean, some people correspond for months on end. Oh, yeah. Before they actually meet face to face. By that time, they know each other. They know a lot about each other. Well, and then, like your family did, or hurt your wife's family, you can do background checks eventually. Um, oh, yes. That can, uh, all, there are lots of safeguards. 
Fill me in on this, though, Tim, because I really what I I guess I want to know is um, how it's changed your life. This idea that I mean, you could have just given it all up and just gone scuba diving. But instead, <laughs> well, you you just well, they wouldn't actually because the scuba diving came to a stepson. Oh, okay, interesting. So it's changed your life because family is they're adding and contributing to your life. They added things to it, you know, tremendous things. I mean, I didn't know I'm a foreigner in this country. Of course, I'm a citizen now. But when I arrived here, and, uh, people couldn't understand my accent. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew more about cricket than baseball. <laughs> I mean, I've learned much more yeah. about the sports that are played. It because of my grandchildren, my step-grandchildren, I should say, but they feel like grandchildren to me. And uh, I love them all. They're great people, and they're all growing up fast. But uh, their interests, of course, have impinged on me, too. Yeah. So it's been an added value. And I think sharing life with uh, family and with uh, somebody you love in later life is just as important as it ever was. Oh, I totally agree. Also, in many ways, because in later years, you've got a better understanding of yourself and of the way the world works. And uh, perhaps you're not so subject to the temptations and risks which might harm you. That's right. And it seems like, in the end, there's, there's, a, there's a dearth. We need more people in people's lives. People need grandparents, and maybe even having more is better, and people need uh, more parents and more insight and, and just more opportunities to learn. Tim Carroll, so appreciate this interview. Really, it does give us hope that you, there, you don't have to give up on love. Go check out Tim's book, Don't Ever Give Up on Love, True Stories of Senior Romance, by Timothy Carroll. You can also go to his website, don'tevergiveuponlove.com, or you can check him out on Amazon.com, on Kindles. He's everywhere. Tim Carroll, thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much, Matt. You bet. And and take his advice. I mean, seriously, wow. I know it's scary. It's got to be scary to be out there 70-plus years old or 60-plus years old, 50-plus years old, and having to start it all over again. But maybe don't you don't have to go get married tomorrow, but You can just get out there tomorrow and just start putting yourself out there a little bit more, and then maybe the benefits of relationships can kick in. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep exploring this idea of keeping your love alive and growing your love uh, long uh, into your life throughout all stages of life. We'll be back. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Again, you can find us at matttownsend.com, where we'll be posting links to Tim's site and everything else right on uh, on the matttownsend.com website website or stick with us. We'll be back in a minute right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. In the future, astronauts may turn trash into treasure aboard their spacecraft. We'll explain why. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Trash disposal has been a problem of spaceflight from the very beginning. Food wrappers, packing materials, where do you put it? The traditional answer for the space station has been to pack departing cargo modules with trash, letting it all incinerate as it re-enters the Earth's atmosphere. That keeps the station clean and roomy, but that waste represents a lot of money and energy spent getting it into orbit to start with. What if we could put that trash to some kind of productive use in space? It would turn from waste into a useful resource. That's the thinking behind the experiment between NASA's Kennedy and Ames Research Centers. They are looking for a method to crush and heat space trash to turn it into inert insulation materials. These could help protect astronauts from space radiation. 
The same process would also squeeze out valuable water from the trash for recycling on the station while disinfecting the waste. Tiles made of compacted, inert waste would be used to enhance radiation shielding on the space station or even a two-year Mars mission. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. International affairs can affect our daily lives far more than we realize. Gain detailed knowledge of world events by attending lectures from the Kennedy Center here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The Kennedy Center will keep you current with solutions to the most pressing worldwide concerns suggested by top scholars from BYU and abroad. Tune in weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern for Notes from the Kennedy Center. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The U.S. Postal Service is scrapping a plan to stop delivering mail on Saturdays, which would have saved over $2 billion a year. Congressional budget measures stopped the plan before it could even be implemented. President Obama unveiled his budget proposals today detailing a $3.77 trillion spending plan for 2013. Included in the budget is funding for a NASA program which plans to capture an asteroid in the moon's orbit. Chances for the gun control bill to pass through the Senate got a boost today after two senators announced revised background check initiatives. Debate on the package is still expected tomorrow with a long-shot Republican effort to block the whole package. Authorities in Texas say the 20-year-old man accused of stabbing 14 people on the Lone Star University campus yesterday planned the rampage for some time, apparently even fantasizing about attacking others since elementary school. Wall Street had another record-breaking day today with both the S&P and Dow Jones Industrial Average breaking previous high records. The Dow even saw a triple-digit rally. An astonishing $1 billion worth of Cubist art is being donated to New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art. The Met's director says the collection is unreproducible. In world news, another North Korean missile test is imminent, according to intelligence from the South. The test would be a dangerous show of force and increase already high tensions in the region. And the U.S. is offering emergency aid to Iran following yesterday's deadly earthquake, which killed nearly 40 and injured over 800. However, relations between the two governments are still chilled. That's the news to now on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here. We are talking about love. Is there an expiration date on love? Is there a point where you just need to walk away from it? And we've put, we've put a question on my Facebook page, and really, I highly suggest you go check it out. Some of the answers are incredible um, about, you know, one person, Brittany, says, I don't think age is the determining factor, but rather personality, situation, Some people need companionship, that kind of companionship, while others fill that void with other opportunities and experiences. It's a personal decision that only you can make. Um, Another person basically says, uh, I will never do that. Let me go find that one. It was kind of sad, actually. You can tell she's divorced, she says, and she basically says, I'm not going to do that. I've been there, done that. That's the last thing I ever want to do again. 
which concerns me because if all of a sudden we're we're choosing to not go find someone else because we've already been burnt by someone else, it seems kind of empty, you know, because you're going to get burnt. You know, it's kind of like saying I will never eat again because my mother done burned my food. Uh, your your food's going to get burnt, not to be rude to my mother. And it wasn't her fault. But when it comes down to it, life's kind of hard. And yet I, I kind of fear for a 31-year-old divorcee that's just never going to ever, ever, ever want or need companionship, friendship with other. I mean, I don't know. And it doesn't always have to be marriage. And I think this is something we're going to get uh, into throughout the remainder of the show. But our own Madison Alfredo Allred has been uh, finding an article or two. She's been trying to do some research on some lessons learned by others about being able to kind of rekindle love. So, Madison. Yeah. So I found this great article from The Telegraph called, Will You Still Date Me When I'm 64? (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like a song. (laughs) I know. It almost does, doesn't it? And it was written by Deborah McGaugh. Ew. Something to that extent. I might be totally butchering her last name. But it's really interesting. She mentions a movie that came out last year called The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. Ben, I've seen That's great. You have seen it. Yeah. I have never heard of it before. Our own Sean. um, Sean. did a whole movie review on this right when it came out. Oh, cool. Sean O'Neill. Yeah, so for those of you that have not heard it before like me, it is pretty much a story about how these British couples go to India and find love. They yeah. go there for like a retirement. It sounds really cute. And I actually, I kind of want to go yeah, look it up and watch show. it. And so this lady was kind of inspired by this. Like she has had, you know, a lot of experiences in her life. She had... A lot of marriage. Well, she had like one marriage and two other big relationships. But now she's 64. Right. And kind of the funny thing is the humorous aspect that she brings to this. She says it's completely different because some things. That <laughs> different they talk relationship. About, oh, yeah. Um, like one of the things she brings up is dentures. Really? <laughs> I know. I would have never really. Yeah, but no, that's a that. real part of life, right? Mm-hmm. It is. And she just said, you know, uh, like when they go out to eat, you know, dinner dates aren't that easy anymore because if they. Lose their teeth. You know, they just take out the dentures if they try to get, like, a mushroom soup or something, trying to gum it. And it's not like she is disgusted. She just accepts, you know, that's a fact of life. This is where we are. Mm -hmm. Well, plus, you're you're marrying and all of a sudden – I mean, you're not marrying a 22-year-old. You're marrying a 68-year-old. You're going to have health issues. You're going to have health history problems. Yeah. She actually even – mentions about kind of the fear that they will leave you because especially if you're towards that age of life you know your teeth start going your body starts going so she says you know what if you're in that relationship and you get really ill she's afraid that you know someone might leave you because if you're in a relationship like a marriage and you've put in you know like 40 years into this you know you're kind of cashing that in and being like hey don't leave me now right right but she feels you know even if they love you if it gets too hard Mm mm-hmm if you haven't been there for long enough, then it can just be like. Well, that's whoop. that's actually part of the spirit of that movie about the Marigold Hotel thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's they're all seniors, but you know they thought they were just going to go on this exotic kind of retirement center and go live this incredible incredible life where everything's taken care of in India, from England to India, and they thought that our money would go farther um, in India. Well, when they got there, it was kind of a dive. But each one of these seniors, what they brought was their personality, and some of them would get out in the culture, and some of them would really know what's going on, and some never left the place. Mm-hmm. And everyone was bringing something to the equation. So so part of what I think is great, and we talked about this with 
Timothy Carroll earlier is you're, what you're bringing is you. And so who you are at 70 is different than who you are at 20. You bring somebody that's a little more reformed or a little more um, formed. You know who you are a little bit more. I think you you tend to have better, maybe more wisdom, more insight. So imagine the power if the if your partner had passed or if the relationships didn't work of being able to combine with somebody that's wise, that kind of gets it. Now everyone's like, well, yeah, that's if you're lucky. If you're not <laughs> lucky, you get the guy that's clueless and and then has health problems. Um, in the end, though, that was also part of the movie. People get sick and people are dying and. Um, but there's something powerful, I think, about being willing to be there for people. And it's risky. So remember, all relationships are risky, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to get out of a relationship that doesn't have some risk. And if you don't risk, then you can't have intimacy or closeness. And so oh, it's it's a tricky thing. What else did she learn? What else did she say? You know, she remarks that you really don't change from when you're a teenager. She mm. says that she still feels like that. Yeah, she had the same feelings, mm-hmm. yeah. You change a little bit. I mean, you lost your hair and your teeth. <laughs> there you go. But she even mentions, you know, like how, you know, you're kind of insecure when you're yeah. younger. You're like, oh, I'm too fat. Well, now it's like, as she mentions, like wrinkles, yeah, you know, my bingo skin, arms, right. you know, all that, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. And so she's just like, it's a whole new different set she says she just still feels the same the insecurities are just different yeah but it can almost be more fulfilling and how the guest mentioned earlier how their relationship was able to progress very fast it. it can happen with this too because you know what you want mm-hmm. and so and it seems like life's in a way um it's it's more simple in a way i guess it's more complicated because you maybe have kids and family and stuff but it's simple in that you know, I don't need much more. I already know what it's like to try to get money and not. And I, I mean, you just know stuff. So in a weird way, it seems like there's more actual security in it because you're not chasing all these other dreams. You're kind of narrowing your dreams down to just, you know, being together. Yeah. And you're not disillusioned by the fact of, oh, they're just so ridiculously good looking. Right. You know, that's oh, not the hot. main yeah. pull. You know, it's like it's really yeah. them. And what's cool, though, is that can still exist. So you can still have this incredible attraction. Mm-hmm. Which how cool is that to like reignite an attraction and that physical spark at seventy? I mean, it'll be different. Yet it's, I mean, that creates chemistry. That creates real adrenaline and endorphins. All of a sudden, you feel alive. That's what I hear a lot of these people talk again. Is how falling in love gives them gave them life again. And part of the life is maybe just hey, no way you got testosterone coursing through your system again. Wow, that's been years, and you've got adrenaline and oxytocin, all these bonding chemicals. Um, I think it's huge. I think it's a great opportunity. I also think um, it's a great role model. If if we teach our families that once you're burnt, just curl up into a corner and hide from life, you're setting yourself up. Our families, our kids, our grandkids need to see that relationships are worth risking for. The famous lesson I learned as a child is a turtle can make no progress unless it sticks its neck out. That's pretty deep. Totally deep. There you go, Matt. And then the person continued to explain, because once their head's out, then you can whack it off with a knife. <laughs> and I'm, that's when I got really sick. And so, but it's true. You can't make progress in your life, in your relationships, unless you're willing to stick your neck out there a little bit. So good article. Anything else she's got? Anything, you know, to top it all off? Well, just another difficulty. She just says, you know, like when you're that age, 
you put a lot of time together into putting yourself together because you know it's not as easy to look oh, as yeah. beautiful just she the girdle <laughs> just the girdle itself would yeah. be that's a workout for you yeah she says that you know just a gust of wind can turn her from a smart businesswoman <laughs> looking to like a bedraggled crone you know <laughs> and so but then she says that it's worth it that's interesting when you find the one that you yeah because you, you really want to with. put that energy out mm-hmm. you know it's it's true too and so think take relationships aside um, even just having a job at 70, something you have to go get dressed up for, drive away in your car and go work, mm-hmm. that in and of itself is probably very healthy versus you having to never leave. You just stay home. You see the mailman at noon, <laughs> drops off the mail, and you're gone. But there's something about it. It's called stress. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. You stress is the healthy stress that actually helps us get better and healthier. You can have too much other stress, which is the one that wears you down and exhausts you and kills you and makes your heart stop. But there's also the healthy stress, which is, you know, the stress you feel when you go exercise or the stress you feel when you test yourself or you're on stage as a performer and you're doing something you love and you feel alive and vibrant. One of the things in our relationships Uh, that is probably inherent in having a relationship is you're going to have some of this good, healthy, positive stress. And that positive stress, you know, it forces you to dress up a little bit. It forces you to think about other people's needs. Um, I think it's powerful. I love the idea that I I actually, it it sickens me to think that if I lost my wife, I'd have to go date. Because as somebody that works and does a lot of work with couples, it's scary. What's I mean, not not what's out there, but it's just scary because it's hard. And uh, when you finally find one that works and is great and you're blessed that way, to have to go start it over is probably overwhelming. And what I think we're hearing over and over and over from our, our guests today is maybe the best way to do this is not to actually set the goal to go do it. Maybe the goal is just I need to be my best self. And if my best self means I need a job, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go get to church or I'm going to go get out of my house and serve in the community. I'm going to do something to be out there and I'm going to maybe push myself to start saying a little bit more, inviting people to be a part of it. Hmm. Maybe inviting them on a date to, I don't know, to your physical therapist. (laughs) Hey, you want to drive me to my physical therapist? (laughs) Good stuff. Um, truly, it, it is an interesting an interesting issue, I think, that we're all dealing with. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. I'm going to give you some keys, a few tools to dealing with love later in life, hopefully move you through some stages of love, give you some tools. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. Don't ever give up on love, friends, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Are you a little bored at work? That boredom might actually be good for you. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Another day at the office, another mindless task, and your lunch break can't come fast enough. But it's not all bad. British researchers report that in test subjects they studied, a little boredom led to increased creativity. 
In a presentation to the British Psychological Society, the researchers from the University of Central Lancashire found that truly boring tasks promoted a state of daydreaming in their test subjects. After those people daydreamed, their creativity was boosted for a while. Test subjects given the creativity test before the boredom generating task were not as good at the creativity test. That could mean that one way to get your head ready for an office brainstorming session might be to get the day's mindless paperwork or repetitive manual tasks out of the way first. The testing found different levels of boring tasks, the ones that made daydreaming tougher, involved more writing than reading. The next phase of the tests could explore if this added creativity actually gets applied on the job. And we mean more than just using Comic Sans font on their next project status report. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. There isn't a better way to listen to music than from a live concert. But let's be honest, no one can make it to a concert every night. So on Highway 89, we bring you music like you're actually there at the concert with front row seats. We aren't playing some doctored up recording and there are no do-overs. Instead, we bring raw music straight from our studio to you. Tune in weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern to Highway 89 on BYU Radio. Talk about good. No matter what corner of the earth you want to see, Eric Dowdle has probably painted it. Next week, Eric and the crew take us to Cincinnati. Our topic before we introduced, or as we introduced Cincinnati, was is there a place that uh, has changed your life? Or rocked your world. Rocked your world. And Dave's was his kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Join us on Traveling with Eric Dowdle next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome to 1962 in a town called Granite Flats where everyone is friendly and everything is normal. Almost. There are things that need to stay secret. You ever seen anything like this? Oh, sir, it's pretty space age. She thought it was aliens. Yes, she did. Holy cow. G-Men. Don't go getting paranoid on me, Johnny Sanders. Watch an all-new episode of Granite Flats this Sunday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on BYU-TV. BYU Radio is the home of the Cougars. Rise up and become a corporate sponsor today. For more information, call 801-422-1448 or email support at byu.edu. Welcome back, love birds, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up the show all about love. When do you just give up on the dream of love? Or do you ever? My personal view, no. No! Don't do it. It doesn't mean you have to pursue it actively. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, go get online. But I wouldn't ever give up give up the chance to love someone. Why on earth throw something away? If you don't, I mean, if, even if you don't want it because you didn't like what happened last time, I don't know that you want to be kind the, the kind of person that no longer wants to love anyone. I think the minute that's in your mind, the minute you think you have to avoid people, the minute you think you're you're going to have to get rid of people and get them out of your life, that's kind of a, it just seems like a really long life to try to live a life, not just without a partner, I get that, but without the hope that there are good, decent, healthy people that can be a companion for you. 
Um, even if the two of you are just sitting in a well- wheelchair in a rest home together, you can still have a companion. And I'm telling you, companionship, we all need it. I, I honestly, truly believe it's one of the most basic human needs is I need to know that that at least someone wants to be my friend there. And you can always reframe your relationships. Like we're hearing and and I, what I've seen in my own work is some of the best love was just happened upon and starts when two really, really good friends get to know each other. That uh, last article that when we were talking with Madison in the last break, there was a really interesting point that the author um, brought up. And it was a very simple idea that about, you know, going on a honeymoon. So when two people get married, let's say they're 70 years old, they've both been with other partners. When they finally get married and go on their honeymoon, one problem the couple ran into is how do you choose your destination? So, you know, you've already gone to 20 countries with your ex and she's gone to 20 countries with her ex. So and there's baggage in each one of these countries and whatever. Uh, How could they find their dream destination. Well, eventually they figured out one couple in her article figured out that the only country that neither had ever been to was Luxembourg. So they took their honeymoon to Luxembourg and boom, found love right there. As we wrap up the show, I wanted to get into a really, I think, interesting idea about love because as a word, it bugs me. Okay. Just shooting straight with you. I don't like the word. I think, um, especially in the English language, we we don't have a, a profound word for love. For example, I love, I love Burrito Supremes from Taco Bell. Totally love them. I love Cinnabon. I bring it up daily. Love it. I love Sky Boy uh, and his cute little cape and tights and everything. I love it. And I love my wife. Okay? Notice the English language. Love. So, Matt, do you love Skyboy more than your wife? No, I don't. Okay. Well, how about um, how about Burrito Supremes? Do we have to choose? Do we have to choose if I love a Burrito Supreme more than my wife? We don't have a really good word for love. So we can say like, but like is not love. Or we can say I really, really, really like you, but that's not love either. So here's our problem. We say love, so should we give up on love long into the, our lives? So if we're married, if we've been if we're 70 years old and we our partner dies in a tragic accident, should I give up love? Do we even know what we're saying? Do we even know if we're saying should I give up being married? Cuz I know people that are married that don't feel love as as we might think it is. So, here's what I did. I went and researched a little bit, and the Greeks had a lot of different words that they used for love. Okay, they had multiple words. So I want to get clear what word we're talking about here. Okay, the first word they used was a word called eros, E R O S, eros. It's the derivative from which the word erotic comes from. So it's kind of a chemical love. So a lot of us, when we think we're in love, what we really are, and I'm just going to use Greek, uh, even though I don't speak it, what we're really talking about is eros. We're not talking about, like, uh, charity kind of love. We're talking about actual physical chemistry for someone. And so that's why some people laugh or giggle when they think of two seniors falling in love and wanting to be physical. Like, oh, they just—that's gross. The reality is it's just eros. That's only one form of love. Now, again, I truly believe— in our world, in our culture, in Hollywood, what we try to sell people is erotic love, the eros idea. 
the idea that it's all about chemistry. It's about, oh, my heavens, I ache for you. My body needs you kind of thing. Guess what? It's only one love. Interestingly, too, research shows the erotic kind of chemical love tends to fade um, in about two to three years. It doesn't disappear totally, but it's kind of God's way of getting you charged up to go, you know, be together and make babies is probably really its goal. Eros. That's your body's way of doing it. Now, there's another kind of love that the Greeks used to talk about that we don't usually bring up here, and that love is called storge love. And you've probably never heard of the word. Storge is S-T-O-R-G-E with some funny little tilde or whatever you call it. I don't know what you call it um, in Greek. Storge love is the parental love. So think of this. If we really want to have a a lasting relationship with somebody— the Greeks believed you also probably have to have some component of parental love. When I talk to clients, they're always like, do not parent me. You are not my father. So most people think they don't want to be married to their father, except when you're sick, when you're hurt, when you're um, in the hospital. This love that can come from your partner as they get to care for you and take care of you could be a little bit of parental love where they make sure you take your medicine, where, they, where they're there for you. Storge love is what my wife does for me every day when I come out dressed, ready for work, and she looks at me and she says, no, you're not wearing that. Those pants don't fit your leg. Your pants have to go below your heel or whatever, your ankle. That heel sounds weird, your ankle. And she'll talk me through it and kind of walk me off the cliff, metaphorically speaking, where I was about to take a huge social dive. Um Storge is the love where we watch out for each other. It's where we make sure that our, our partner knows how to, to not be hurt. They can go get along in their lives. So then people always say, well, which is more important, eros or storge? Well, I would say, why are we choosing? Okay, In our partners that we want to be with forever, I would probably want both kinds of love there. Now, if all my partner does is parent me, that's a problem. Or if all we do is eros, that's a problem, okay? The third kind of love that the Greeks talked about was um, a love called filial love. Filial love is the love that Philadelphia is named after, the city of brotherly love, right? So do you want your partner, your best friend, your life partner, your eternal mate, do you want them to be um, like a brother to you? Sure. Uh, the brother's your best friend, the brother you can go watch movies with, the brother that teases you, the brother that protects you. Yeah, that's a great kind of love, too. And what's funny is a lot of us, if we don't know what love is, sometimes being able to have two people sitting in a wheelchair next to each other looking out the window and not saying a word, that is the greatest love you can ever have. And that's two brothers fishing in a lake. We don't need to talk. <sighs> We're just together. So Eros... Storge and filial are all different kinds of love. What love are we talking about when we say, do we want a love to last long into the future? Should we be looking for this love with people? I think you can find filial love anywhere. You can have a best friend that's even of the opposite sex in your 70s and 80s that can just be a companion that you can go talk to and have lunch with. You don't even have to marry him, but you can find some storge love and go pick up their meds for him. Right. And we can at 50, I can one of our people on our Facebook page says, I'm 42 years old. I have two boys, one who is autistic and one who has Asperger's. 
Their own father doesn't even want them. And I have tried to date, but whenever I tell them my boy about my boys, they run so fast. So I have stopped seeking. I would rather be with my children than wasting time with intolerant, ignorant men. My children are not violent or mean. They are cute and well-behaved, and those are quotes from other people. But the men never stay around long enough to find that out. If I'm a betting man, those are men that probably only want eros. They didn't want to be a parent, and they didn't want to be a brother, which is probably the thing that this person needs so bad. The last love the Greeks talked about is called agape. And agape is just basically charity. The greatest love, God's love, is what the Greeks would have called that. But agape is just where I love you unconditionally. Isn't that really what you want? And when on earth do you want to stop earning charity? I'd say never. And honestly, in my life, I found the number one time you're going to start earning more and more and more and more charity is during all of these trials of losing a husband, divorcing, or um, other things like, you know, when we're older and— having to serve more and more people that are struggling or dying or or in pain. Four kinds of love. If we say we don't want love, I think you're setting yourself up. What you might be saying is I no longer want an eros-based partner where I have to worry about intimacy and stuff like that. You might also be saying, but be careful that you're not saying, I also don't want to still take care of people. I also still want to have a brotherly friend, even if it's of the opposite sex, and I want to learn and grow charity. Nothing will ever replace the gifts of learning how to do that. To me, that is the reason you're on this earth. That is the reason I believe you got your body and have these relationships is so that you, yes, you, can not just have a happy relationship, but maybe so that you can master the fine art of loving. Loving as a parent, loving as a lover, loving as a friend, and loving as somebody that's unconditional. Folks, that's the show. Stick with us. We really want to help you through this. We're trying to help you see the good in life. That's the BYU Broadcasting theme. We want you to see the good in life. There is good. Stick with us. And please keep the love alive. Go take care of the people you love. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back again tomorrow with more ideas right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.